0: Hello and welcome back to the EPL Roundtable to review the group stages Uh, It's now going into the round of 16 you'll now notice that I'm not Kevin DeVries I'm not American I'm not a Spurs fan although I'm quite a big Harry Kane fan at the moment I am Jake Jackman who normally comes on to talk about Newcastle but I'm today talking about England and I am joined by two guests if you'd like to introduce yourself my name
1: is Dylan Arvella. You can find me on Twitter at Dylan Arvella, and I'll be talking about Portugal and maybe a sprinkling of Australia as well.
2: Hi, I'm Getan Llewellyn, a Swansea City fan and uh, also a Wales fan, which kind of makes me uh, a perfect neutral uh, for this World Cup
0: thanks so much for joining me today guys we'll start with uh, making the, uh, the the topics for today start of germany actually it's probably been the the biggest talking point out of the last week they've gone out they've become the the third successive um holders to go out of the group stages it's been quite an interesting one because a lot of people had them down as favorites they seem to have a lot of the same players the same manager they they've not got uh, gone out before the court, uh, semi-final stages under Joachim Löw before, and now they've they've gone out in what was a relatively easy group. So, you know, what do we think went wrong for Germany? Was it the players? Was it the manager? Was it just sort of the, the end of an era? Uh, and why do we think it's so difficult to retain a World Cup?
1: Well, I'll, I'll kick things off, and I was, for some reason, I didn't have any interest in the game, like in terms of a bet, or I'm not, you know, connected to either side, but It was really, it made me quite angry to watch Germany against Korea because they just, they. I I tweeted this out after the match, they were ponderous, um, pretentious, and really overall considering how talented that sport is, it was quite a pathetic attempt um, in defending their title. There's been a lot of discussion about how Germany have sort of been arrogant in this World Cup and how Joachim Lowe has sort of denied that there's anything wrong even when, even after the Mexico game they're like oh there's no there's no crisis and no real need to change anything um and really it just seems to be a matter of attitude um i don't i think their their squad is plenty talented it's right up there in the top 2 or 3 most talented in the whole competition it's not a matter of whether leroy sane was there or not because with him or without him they're still a really high quality side um but against against Mexico, fair enough. Mexico called them out. Uh, Mexico are a great counter-attacking team. Against Sweden, Sweden not really a great side. Even though they did get a fantastic result against Mexico in the final game, they they probably didn't deserve to to win that game because they squandered a lot of chances and it took a fabulous free kick right at the end to get anything out of it. And in Korea, they just they they just imploded. They looked really really slow and it it was as if they just thought it was gonna happen and it and in the end it never did and I think perhaps a in sort of a microcosm of the whole issue is can be summed up by their captain Manuel Neuer. Um not not I don't really mean specifically him, you know, running upfield like a headless chook, but like the fact that he was out for the entire season. Um uh, I believe the entire season, you know, I, I think. Um, but regardless, he was out for a, a majority of the season, and really, his his position in the side was sort of not even questioned. He was given the the captaincy, the number one jersey straight away. and He was right in there, and it's not as if Germany are bereft of other really top class goalkeepers. You look at you know Tostegen, Leno, and, and whatnot. So, I think that there perhaps was a an air of arrogance about the German side in this tournament.
2: I definitely go along with that. Um, I, It's been such a strange one from Germany. I, that that Mexico game really caught everyone out. They, they were so di- just disastrous in defence, but people really ignore the fact as well that going forward, they weren't fantastic. They didn't create that many clear-cut opportunities. Um, I can't really comment on the Sweden game because I, I didn't watch it, but the Korean one... Uh, was, uh, again, like, like like Dylan said there, just so crazy to watch because um, for the first half, I actually watched the Sweden-Mexico game because I thought, oh, Germany will beat Korea and then it'll be just one of Mexico and Sweden going through. So this is the game to watch. Um, but I was flicking back and forth between the two matches and watched a bit the, um, the German match, and it never seemed like there was much happening. Never seemed like they were keeping... South Korea under sustained periods of pressure, and then as the second half wore on, I decided to just switch entirely to the German match, and it was ponderous, and and it didn't seem like there was any kind of urgency there, and it didn't seem like Germany ever felt like there was any risk to, to, to going out, um, and and the same kind of defensive issues that you saw in the Mexico game, where. Time and time again, South Korea would be in the German half, and there would only be two German defenders there facing them. Um, you know, the, and that, I think, comes down to arrogance as well, this belief that, oh, whatever South Korea throw at us, you know, just our centre-backs will be able to control it. They're, they're good enough to just deal with that, and then they'll boot it up the other end of the pitch, and then the attacking players will do something with it. Um, and, of course... The longer the game went on, the more you felt, hang on, Germany really aren't going to get anything here. They're not creating any chances. Um, and even with that kind of feeling that, oh, it's the Germans, they always find a way, you just thought this is a bit different. This doesn't look convincing in any way from Germany. And then when the Koreans scored and that uh, that that VAR moment where you're thinking, oh, my God, this is actually going to be given. This This is a legitimate goal. And then the referee finally does give it, and you 're thinking, "Wow, it is actually going to happen now this is this is actually going to happen and, and it was just it was exactly what they deserved they they really were um a shambles. I think what sums it up really is the fact that seventeen different players started for Germany in this tournament that that, that obviously indicates that Joachim low didn't really have any idea what his best team was um he ch- He changed Four players from between the, um, uh, well, he made four changes for the Sweden match, and then they won that one, and then he made a further five changes for the South Korean match, and and they did look like a team that didn't really know, you know, how how to play together, and I think in the end they they had such an embarrassment of riches in terms of the talent in the squad, they had so many different options that that Love didn't actually know what his best team was, he didn't really have an established. Starting 11 that he could really just rely on, and that a lot of the players didn't really look either they didn't look fresh, um, which was definitely the case with Noya and with Kadira, for example, or they um didn't really know what their roles were in the team, which which was definitely relevant for, for quite a few of those players. And it just throughout the three matches, it just looked disjointed, it looked like players didn't know what they were um, supposed to be doing, and um. Throughout it, you did have this arrogance and this um, kind of misguided belief that, oh, well, it's only the group stage and Germany always do go through the group stage. And let, let's face it, for a country like Germany, which is so used to just waltzing through the, the group stage, you know, exiting at that, at that first hurdle, is is a major embarrassment. Um, I mean, the last time they did it, not only was Hitler in power in Germany, he was Time Man of the Year. He hadn't even had time to upset the the international community at that stage. So that tells you how long ago uh, it was since they had this kind of disastrous um, result. And but it, but it's it's completely merited.
0: Yeah, I completely agree with what you both said there. I think they they looked lethargic throughout the whole group stage. I think there was a, a few players noticeably out form. Thomas form. Thomas Muller was one. I think that is maybe you know why. Um, a Part of the reason was because he was uh, playing out of position. He didn't really have a, a defined role. He seemed to be on the right. He seemed to be popping up all over the place, but he didn't seem to be getting into those goal-scoring positions like he did in previous World Cups. Um, I think it's easy to... to, to, to say anything about Leroy Sané it was obviously going to be a talking point there's a lot of hot takes like this World Cup and and Leroy Sané not going it's perhaps one not easy to understand for Premier League fans but I think a lot of German fans understood it purely for his performances for them I actually think he he might have been a good addition to have just because he would have provided a bit of dynamism, a bit of directness to the attack, which which wasn't there. Um, their main creativity came from Joshua Kimmich, really. And, and if you're relying on a right-back to for your creativity, I know England are, are relying on their full-backs, but that, that seems to be, you know, the system is built for that. Germany didn't really have a system. They're, they're holding midfielders. I don't really think they had one. I think Kadira would be the one that was meant to hold but he was often seen in in the final third. There were so many gaps in front of the back two. Uh and I think Boateng especially, he's not as good as he once was. He can't take on that one on one defending, which is why he got that, that you know, that's that red card and it's it's just a bit of a mess, but I think it's I think it's too simplistic to say it's the end of an era. I think that they still should have had enough to go through that group. I just I agree with both of you, it's just poor planning. This lethargy is just just a bit of arrogance as well I think they, they expected to go through the motions in all three of these games and, and walk through of nine points and once they had that loss to Mexico it's the momentum building uh tournament football is, it's it's massive for momentum we've seen teams go out we've seen Argentina have to pull it out uh, at the end Germany had a similar sort of task uh, Brazil have not been great it's, it's all about momentum and that's why tonight's game is so frustrating for me as an England fan. But we'll come on to that later. Uh, I just want to get both your thoughts on on the World Cup and why it is so difficult to retain it because it, it, there seems to be a, a a sort of pattern emerging with winners going out at the group stage. I think it's it's too simplistic to say it, it's a if you win the World Cup you're going to go out at the group stage. Cause that's not true. But it just it, it's it's an odd one, and, and why do you think that is?
1: Um, well, I'll speak on in, in terms of. Spain in 2014 obviously they are expected to top a group which included Chile, Netherlands and Australia however really i think that particular tournament for them comes down to basically an implosion in one particular match the the defeat to uh to the Netherlands which was essentially a, a fi- which which was a final replay of 4 years prior so it was quite a big occasion they they got caught out, they got embarrassed and really from that position they weren't gonna be they did, weren't able to recover considering their next game was against Chile who who were one of the best sides in the world for a couple of years around that tournament. So I can sort of understand the Spain game and of course in the final game I think they beat Australia like five, five one or yeah, five one I think it was. So it's not they were still a great side. They just got caught out in one particular Particular match which pretty much derailed their whole tournament. Um, Italy in 2010, um, the 2006 side wasn't a very awe-inspiring side. It was just an okay side. They obviously they should have topped um, topped their group four years later. Had New Zealand, Slovakia, and someone else. It's funny that New Zealand managed to <laughs> to draw with the Italians in in that competition. And France didn't. I'm pretty sure didn't they just sort of self-employed in 2002 is that sort of what happened
0: yeah it was a sort of infighting and in, in the squad wasn't getting on so that that was rather self-explanatory it wasn't down to to any any readings of quality or anything but i think you're spot on with um the other two spain spain it, I, I just think this germany one's probably the worst a lot for me and it's probably maybe it's because it's recent but i just just couldn't see this happening a million miles off i, I could have seen argentina perhaps going out um I couldn't have seen, couldn't have seen uh, Germany going out before the tournament. But I guess that's why we love the World Cup. And that quarter of the draw does look really kind. You're going to see either Switzerland, Sweden, Colombia, or England in the semi-final, which which is remarkable for any of those teams. Um, hopefully it's England, but any of the, if any of those teams get there, is a is a remarkable story. Um, but but just moving on to now the, the group stage as a whole. It's now finished. Uh, quite a nice stat is each team scored at least two goals for the first time ever in the, the history of the World Cup, which which surprised me today because I haven't really. i thought there's a bit lot uh, been a lot of low-scoring games, but you know that that has happened. Um, the the round of 16 games have decided. What did you guys think of the group stages as a whole in terms of quality, excitement? Did VAR add much to the to the tournament and, and sort of? What are your thoughts on that? And then we'll get into our favourite matches, goals, and, and players, moments, and, and things like that.
1: I think that the group stage of the World Cup was was, was brilliant. It's it's I think it's always brilliant, regardless of whether the matches are duller. I think the media found, finds a way in the way that the World Cup is sort of built up. It, it ends up being entertaining, regardless. So I think that there was there was general competitiveness across all the groups and storylines across all the groups um, right up until the final the final round there was a lot of big teams that went short of their passage through to the final round like just in Portugal's group with, with Spain both of them potentially could have been knocked out on the final day which w- wasn't expected. Brazil could have been knocked out on the final day. Argentina came so close to getting knocked out on the final day um, as we mentioned Germany <laughs> like that drama it's I think the fact that even though in the end most of the big sides, pretty all the big sides apart from Germany have gotten through, I think the fact that there was sort of a hint of um, these sides, the, these big sides not going through made it really, really compelling. And other than, other than the, pretty much the last game of the group stage, each one was entertaining. Even the Saudi Arabia-Egypt game, which was... Seen by most people as the dead rubber, I didn't watch it live, but I managed to watch um, the last sixty minutes of it on a replay. It was a pretty entertaining match um, between two sides that I don't know half the players, and you know that that's what that's what um, I think is the story of this World Cup. It's been really, really entertaining.
2: I, I'd say the quality of the football on show in the um, group stages hasn't been. Particularly amazing, I think. I think uh, we, we've we've obviously seen some good matches. We've seen some good teams, but I don't think we've seen an outstanding team in the first uh, round of matches. Nobody that's really stood out and been earmarked as you know potential champions. I think it's still very very open. Um, it is very good that um, we you know all these teams have well most of the teams have have. Sort of cause some kind of memory, like you said, they, all the teams have scored uh, two goals uh, at the very least, um, and I, th- I think we, you know, there are quite a lot of memories from the, the group stage that, that we will kind of remember for a long time. I mean, Argentina's scare is, is a huge one. Um, Germany, obviously, is the big one uh, for, from the um, from the opening rounds, um, and, and that. Spain Portugal match is up there with I think the best match that we'll ever see in a, in a world cup group stage I really did think it was it was fascinating to watch um but there were a lot of games there where uh, I I don't know it, it was left until the last minute and games where you thought oh, this is going down to end in the nil-nil, and suddenly you of to know where you get that moment of magic. I think late goals has definitely, along with VAR penalties, has definitely been one of the traits of, of the group stage. Um, so many games where you thought, oh, this is a bit of a nothing game, it's going to end quite unremarkably, and then suddenly in the 90th minute you have a goal, which suddenly turns it into a memorable match uh, and something that you will never forget, really, well, at least not for the coming, for for quite some time anyway. Um, even looking back to say a match like Morocco against Iran, where the second half of that match was as dull for the most part as any any football match you'll ever see, but then in the final minute you you just see that Iranian goal and it's the shock of it. Um, you know, I I won't forget it, not least because there was there happens to be an Iranian in the pub where I was watching it who was going absolutely crazy at that time. Um, but yeah, I I, I think. The quality could have been higher. Um, the, the standard of football could have definitely been better. Uh, I think some people are overstating the, the kind of quality of it. Uh, but in terms of excitement, it's it's been pretty much non-stop.
0: No, I definitely agree with that. I think VAR, it's been a, it's been a great addition for, for the excitement and the spectre of the competition and it's worked a lot better than it has in England uh, to date. So that's really encouraging for that and advocates of VAR. Hopefully that Sort of transitions into to the to the English uh, football season as well. Um, I think when when the World Cup draw, uh, groups were drawn, there was a lot of talk about the the lack of quality. It, everyone was saying, "Oh, we can pick the group winners easily." But I don't, I don't think that's the case. And I just think it's a it's been a lot of surprise teams. Serbia and Senegal are two teams that I think have, have played well and, and and can be unlucky to go home. Iran are another one. They got so close to going through. Um, and it's just been good to see those teams sort of compete, and and I'm not sure what it means for for the future of the World Cup. I know that that's talk about this 48 team competition. I'm not sure if that would be that great. I think that would be too many teams. I think this this is the perfect amount. It's been a a couple of weeks of group stages, and I think that's 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 what you want, and you want to get into sort of the knockout football now. Um, I just want to get your uh guys' thoughts on on the you know sorry, the best match of the uh, competition so far, goal, and any players that you think are sort of leading that chase for the the player of the tournament award I, I get how you mentioned the Portugal-Spain game are there any other games that sort of jump out
2: Um, I, I think the Portugal-Spain game is the standout match of uh, the group stage I don't think anything else comes close but in terms of um, a kind of moment um, I, I, I I think Germany have given us so many moments I mean I, th- I thought the time that Mexico um, game was, was kind of earth shattering one of you know, with the great shocks of the World Cup. And then suddenly, you know, you have that Tony Crowe's free kick and you're thinking, well, if Germany go on to win this tournament, then that's going to be a legendary moment. But then that is entirely eclipsed by um, the the, the uh, Korean game. And you can pick the kind of... One of the dramatic things, you talk about VAR there, one of the highlights of the group stage was seeing kind of South Korea's goal disallowed and then it going to VAR and then sl- that slow realisation kicking in that, oh, hang on, this is actually going to count and it is going to be huge. I mean, that was really VAR at its best uh, from a viewing point of view. I uh, don't think any Germans will agree with that. Um, and then you had that brilliant yeah. moment again where the through ball is played for, um, I think it was Son who scored the, uh, the second goal for, for Korea and you just know that he is going to tap it in. But it's, again, that slow build-up and that anticipation before that killer moment which just entirely seals German, Germany's fate. So I think probably either of those goals from the uh, Germany-Korea match will, will probably go down as the moment of the, um, um, of, of the, of the group stage. In terms of goal, um, I mean, there's, there have been a lot of really memorable ones. Um, but for me, it's Nachos uh, in that Portugal game. Um, it's been a bit... I think it's been a bit really there's been a lot of discussion about Ronaldo's free kick in that game, which was amazing got nacho's strike from you know to catch it so crisply on the outside of the foot and then it bouncing off the woodwork um it it was it was, it was an absolutely beautiful strike and made even better um by the fact that um it was uh, a defender who scored it um so that gets my vote for uh, goal of the tournament and in terms of the player um Again, much like none of the um, big teams uh, have stood out, um, not, not many of the kind of big players have, have stood out either. Um, not not in a massive way. I know Ronaldo has, um, um, you know, he, he's he's had some great moments. Uh, Messi played his part in the final game, um, but for me, um, it's the kind of quieter people that do the hard work and. Um, maybe aren't always on the score sheet that that got my attention. I mean, Coutinho's been fantastic for Brazil. His score's been fantastic for Spain. But for me, my player at the group stage is Luka Modric, um, a player who I really, really like, have always liked. Um, Had a bit of pressure on his shoulders coming into this World Cup because of off-field reasons and politics and um, um, various accusations back in in Croatia. Um, But I think he's been... Fantastic, and he's really made the Croats tick, and um, they are one of few teams to have actually picked up a hundred percent record from um, their three group games. And I think he's got um, uh, he's played a very substantial part in it. And um, he's he's never going to win a player of the tournament award. He's you know they don't go to kind of midfielders like him who um, just make a team tick. They they'll go to a Neymar, Ronaldo, a Messi, etc. But um, for me, I just I always love watching Modric play, and I think he's had a fantastic World Cup so far.
0: Yeah, I definitely agree on Modric. He's he's been excellent and Croatia. He could go into the to the knockout stages with a, with a real hope of of going getting somewhere because I think they've looked just a, a quality team. The way they dismantled Argentina will give them so much confidence. And and I mentioned earlier, momentum's crucial and. and Croatia couldn't have more momentum I know in the Euros they sort of had that disappointing loss to Portugal when they just got out of the groups with a lot of momentum and they'll be looking to avoid that again this time but I think they've looked really good and they've just got a nicely balanced squad uh, and I wouldn't want to face them they're the team I wouldn't want to face I'm not sure if they've perhaps been the standout team and and potential winners but at the moment they seem to be the the most dangerous and I, I wouldn't want to be going up against them um uh, the player that's really impressed me has been Filipe Coutinho. I don't know if he's quite matched Modric's influence, but he's he's got a couple of goals. He got that really nice assist yesterday for Paulinho to sort of settle the nerves because Serbia could have got a goal. I think they, they had it in them, but it was crucial for Brazil to get it in the first half, and, and that ball from Coutinho is excellent. And he, he just looks like the player we saw at Liverpool. I'm not sure we've seen a lot of it at Barcelona, but he's looked really, really good. And has been far and above... Uh, outshining Neymar so far, so I think he's been the one for Brazil to really watch out for. Um, Games, I, I, I mean, I, I might be slightly biased, but our first half against Panama for England was just sensational in terms of the amount of goals we scored. I thought that was a, a really good moment for an England fan. It's sort of when everyone started getting a little bit giddy and talking about it's coming home and stuff. I don't, I, I think it's a little bit tongue in cheek, but that was a really good uh, moment for an England fan that. We probably didn't think we'd ever see it at an international tournament for a while. Even against a team like Panama, uh, we've seen them. They they did okay against Tunisia today. They they got it above the USA. They're not they're not mugs. I know they're not the best team that we should have been beating them. But it was it was a incredible half of football. Um, and it, I'd I'd be interested to get your thoughts as well, Dylan. Has there been any any players that have stood out? Any, any matches that we haven't mentioned yet that that deserve a a, a bit of our time?
1: I think the Guido was spot on with uh, Portugal and Spain. That was an absolutely tremendous match. The Nacho goal was incredible, considering it was from a right back, and it was just it was just perfect technique and everything's already been said about it. But yeah, phenomenal. Of course, the Ronaldo goal at the end was tremendous from a uh, Portuguese perspective. That was probably by far the, the the match of the the tournament so far. I thought that the Serbia Switzerland game for a lot of off the field issues. Off the field issues, turn on the field issues was quite uh, a compelling watch because it was quite heated. Um, But I think a match that was sort of set the platform for the tournament uh, was the 5-0 game in the opening game with Russia beating Saudi Arabia. um, Saudi Arabia, rather. Um, I think that there was a lot of negativity around Russia, and I think it's sort of been proved that they're not a great side. But the fact that they were able to get such a good result uh, in the opening game I think lit the tournament alight in many ways, Uh, so I think that was quite a a positive moment that will probably get overlooked in uh, in many circles. In terms of goals, as I mentioned, Nacho, the Ronaldo for a kick, Um, but one of my favourite as 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 a fan of Portugal, one of my favourite players to watch is Ricardo Koreshma, and that goal against Iran was simply sensational. It's his trademark goal, the travella outside of the right boot, into the far left corner. It was it was stunning. Um, and that was probably my my goal of the group stage. I also like the ISCO goal against Morocco. Those ticker tacker moves are always nice to nice to see. As for players of the group of the tournament so far, as Guito mentioned, Modric Phenomenal player, simply phenomenal. I think of the teams that haven't won the World Cup before, Croatia are the most likely to win the World Cup, um, followed by Portugal, but he makes he makes things tick for that side. He's simply sensational. Um, Coutinho, he has stepped up uh, with Neymar not being as effective as many people would have, one, expected and two, hoped. Two goals, an assist, and probably three men in the match performances for Brazil. Lozano, electric against Germany, and really good in the uh, second match against South Korea. Probably deserved a, a goal or two there. Isco, two men in the match performances, and he was the best for Spain in the match against Portugal as well. He's he's ticking things over in the, putt, in the middle of the field, along with Viniesta. And, of course, Ronaldo, Harry Canibal, so they're probably obvious answers up front in terms of uh, scoring goals. But from a Portuguese perspective, Rui Petruccio, his performance against Morocco in the second match was also pretty crucial as well. Uh, and finally, finally, I've got a, at the top of my list actually, Diego Godin. He's probably the, the key man for Uruguay, um, topping their group. They didn't concede a goal and he's probably in the top three or four defenders in the world, so he's also been a a really solid performer in the group stage.
0: Yeah, that brings us nicely on to, we'll focus on uh, countries now represented, which there are only two on this podcast. So we'll, we'll have a bit of focus on Portugal and England, and I'm sure Guto has some comments on both teams. We'll start with Portugal and New Dylan. Um, got through to the to the knockout stages okay, with a bit of a scare against Iran, although, it, you know, they, they did what Portugal did at the Euros and sort of, sort of got their way through through. Not the most entertaining football, but but they've got the job done and they now get into to the knockout stages where they show it at the Euros. They know how to, to get through these games and get through to the next round. So it's going to be really interesting to see how that goes. Uruguay is a bit of a tough opposition. How do you see that one going? Are you happy with that tie? I know you just mentioned Godin and their defensive record. Do you, are you confident going into that one?
1: Um, it, it's probably... After France and Argentina, it's probably, the, it's probably the match of the round of 16. It's two very... Even sides. Portugal in the Euros had a fairly easy knockout draw up until the final. Um, no offense to, to Guido. Wales did put up quite a quite a stern test in the the semi final, but overall it was the the lesser side of the draw. Um, the two of the three best sides. Wait, they're not two or three best sides. What am I talking about? Um, look, it's it was, it was really hard to take because with a couple of minutes to go, we were top of the group. It, it all the the penalty that was awarded it did hit the arm of Cedric, but you know I don't I don't think it was a penalty. The ball was from a couple of meters away, and really, if that goes the other way, we're on the other side of the draw. And it's not not like the Belgium England situation where they were sort of not really interested in winning. Portugal were winning, and if they did win, they'd be on the other side of the draw. So. Quite frustrating in that sense. But anyway, on to Uruguay. Uruguay, they're a very resilient side. They haven't conceded yet. Um, Brilliant front two, as everyone knows, Cavani and Suarez. Suarez uh, seems to just slowly be getting into the tournament and could prove to be a real key player in this match. Solid back two, as I mentioned, I'm I'm, I'm a big fan of Diego Godin. I expect Jimenez to come back into the the centre-back partnership a young and exciting midfield with Lucas Torreira and Benton Cor. Um One thing is they probably are a bit limited tactically in the sense that they can't really shift out of a 4-4-2 given that Suarez and Cavani aren't players that could be shifted out wide. I do feel that Portugal could get at them in, get at their full-backs in Martin Caceres who is sort of a bit over the hill and is sort of not really a proper full-back. Laxale uh, as well on the left-hand side is more of a more of a left mid builder converted into a left back. Um, so hopefully we can try and get potentially um, maybe Gjulnikalo Gidej, or Gelson Martins or I'm not sure who Fernando Santos might deploy out on the wing. But hopefully we can sort of isolate their wingers and um, really I expect nearly the same lineup that Portugal put out against Iran in the final group stage match. Perhaps Mortinho, um, who was probably the best player for Portugal, other than Ronaldo and Patricio, in the opening two matches to come back in the side for Adrian Silva, or João Mario, who hasn't been very good in the group stage. Um, perhaps I'm rambling on a bit now, but it's it's a hard one to pick. They're two... They're Sides built on their defence with world class attack, world class attackers. Obviously, Ronaldo on one side, Suarez and Cavani on the other. It's, yep, could be nil or, could be a penalty shootout, but that's the way Portugal seem to get things done in the recent years.
0: Yeah, I just want to get your thoughts on one of the players that has been starting for Portugal, and that's William Carvalho. He's been. Hotly tipped for a big future for a long time. He's currently got a, a few problems at sporting, could be available on a free, might not, depending what goes on with that, with, with that going forward. But there's been a lot of people saying he's, he's not been that impressive in this tournament and maybe that you know the talk of him going to a Champions League club, a top English club, is maybe a bit beyond him. What are your thoughts on him as a player? Do you think he's developed as you expected him to?
1: I think I don't know how he's still... In Portugal, he is unattached. He is a free agent. He's been his contract has been his contract has been cancelled because of the incidents that happened with Sporting Lisbon at the end of the season. Uh So I think that he's one of the, the most prized free agents on the market at the moment because so I think he's absolutely tremendous. The thing is, yesterday, uh, yesterday I actually retweeted a thread uh by a man called Jan Hagen, and I'll just—it's a—it's about. Ten tweets long, but I'll just read the first one. We really need to talk about William Cavalio, and I think it's about time we kill some myths about the most underappreciated and misunderstood Portuguese player in recent history. And I'll read you the second one, because that's probably the most important one. First of all, William Cavalio isn't a powerhouse midfielder whose job is to win possession, break up play, or cover ground. If If you believe that's the case, you haven't watched him properly, and or perhaps you're just... Giving into stereotypes about black big build midfielders, which I think is really key, because he isn't he isn't that sort of a player. He is the Portuguese Michael Carrick, and really I could see him being a key player in a top side in any any league in Europe.
0: Yeah, as he, as you say, he is he has uh, cancelled his contract. As yeah, I know there's probably going to be some fight back from Sporting, but he does look to be one of the, one of the better free agents on the market. And and if he does do well in these knockout stages, then he's definitely going to get get his big move. Uh, Gitto, we'll just come on to you quickly on, on this game. What what are your thoughts um, on the Uruguay Portugal knockout game? Do you think Portugal have a slight advantage considering you know they are European champions? They've had recent experience of going deep into a competition. Uh, and the Uruguay or, or Uruguay, the ones that you think are going to go through? I know they've they've won their three group games, but um, but you know they have they were against Russia, Saudi Arabia, and Egypt. Are they the toughest competition? They haven't really come up against what you'd call a, a really good team yet. I know Portugal only won once, but they did come up against Spain and showed they were more were a match or at least could go toe to toe with Spain and get a positive results. So, how do you see this one going?
2: I, I think it's going to be a horrible game. I think it's going to be a really, really... I mean, the Iran-Portugal game was quite um, bitty and, and and nasty at times. And there was a lot of you know underhanded tricks from both sides. Um, and, and I think when you, when you look at some of the individuals in the Portuguese team and some of the individuals in the Uruguayan team, I think with those two clash, you're going to see just every all kinds of dirty tricks going on. And it's going to be a horrible one to referee... I think um, Portugal should be favourites for this one. I've not been, I, I, I've not been entirely impressed by by Uruguay. I expected a little bit more from them. I think they do have a good defence, and they've obviously got two fantastic strikers. Uh, everything else is pretty, pretty average. If I'm honest, I'm not really seeing um, the the kind of brilliant the the brilliant Uruguayans. I'd say that we um, um, that, that we saw back in 2010, for example. I don't think they're really capable of those kind of performances. Um, I can see it being a really, really... Um, I, I mean, Uruguay are going to be difficult to break down. Um, Gordian versus Ronaldo is going to be a fascinating contest. Um, and um, it, Likewise, at the other end of the pitch, Suarez hasn't really, really kicked off like like we would have expected in the first three games. Are we gonna see him turn up then um for uh now that we're in the knockout stage? Um I, I think I can easily see this one going um to extra time and even penalties. I think Portugal are just memories of Euro 2006 tell me that Portugal can just get the job done in this kind of game um and and just find a way of of, of getting through to the next round. Um they've they've just got the players to do that and I think they will just scrape through, but I, I don't think it's going to be a goal fest. I don't think it's going to be particularly entertaining, and I think it's going to be really, really gritty uh, and, and difficult to watch. But that is the kind of game that suits both teams, in fact. Um, but I do think Portugal just the masters of finding a way of of not losing that kind of game, and and when you get to knockout stages, as we saw in year two thousand and sixteen, they just they are just brilliant in these kind of circumstances at finding their way through. So. Portugal by the narrowest of margins.
0: Yeah, I agree on on the game. It's going to be. I think it's a very good chance. It's going to be a red card. It's going to be. I think it's going to be entertaining to watch, but not not in the way it's going to be quality football. It's just going to be a lot of, a lot of you know tackles. Going to be going to be uh, yeah. It's just going to be a great watch for you know if you're into that sort of thing, which I'm sure most people are. So it's going to be it's going to be good in that regard. Just coming on to England now. Um, today was. You know, we saw the final group stage game against Belgium, which was probably, you know, up there the worst games of the tournament. Neither team really wanted to win it. Both made wholesale changes. Um, you know, with, it seemed to be the aim was to to get into that easier half of the draw, but. You know, it I I think as an England fan I would have I would have liked to see Southgate keep a lot of the same players in it. I wouldn't have minded a few changes, you know, you've got to do that in a tournament, there's a lot of games and you've got to keep your players fresh. I wouldn't have minded like two or three, maybe a Rashford coming in, um maybe Gary Cahill coming in for a game at the back. I, you know, I'm I'm am i I'm okay with those, but he, he just made too many and and the performance was very poor. Um we didn't create many chances. Um I think Belgium had much of the better much better chances, I think that you know they they, they deserve to win the game either, even if they weren't really that up for it either. Uh, and I think it's just, it's just a shame to, to after the, the positive momentum we built up for those two wins with the late uh, goal against Tunisia and, 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 you know, that incredible first half against Panama. I know they're weaker teams, but we were building that momentum, which I think is key in a tournament and something that England haven't had for a long time. We, we rarely win our first game. We, we normally stutter out of the groups if we do at all. And this is a real chance for us to, to make a positive impact going into to that round of 16 and being one of the few teams to, have won all of our games it was it was there for us tonight if if, if if i'm sure if we'd have played you know kane if we'd have played sterling if we'd have played henderson we probably probably would have won that game but you know we now go into to, to a match against colombia which it's not as easy as everybody thinks it might be I, I, I think a lot depends on what Hammers does. I know he went off into today if he 's not one hundred percent i, I wouldn 't mind the game so much I, I think we 've got a great chance, but if he 's sick, I, I really do worry because we 've lost that positive momentum now and, and it 's going to be we 're going to be starting from scratch near enough and, and that 's a shame. I just want to want to know your guys' thoughts on, on the way England approached this because. I know there's been a lot of excitement building in England. It, it's what happens with every major tournament. We probably, we were, we're, not, we're not one of the favourites, but we, you know, we were going to we go into that round of 16 game with a lot of positive momentum. We were, things were looking good, and it just seems like that's gone now. And, and it, it wouldn't surprise me at all if we just stuttered out at, at the round of 16 game with a very poor performance against Colombia. So I want to know your guys' thoughts on the way England did approach this game.
1: What I will say is that this Colombia side doesn't seem to be as good as the one four years ago. I, apparently, in initial reports on Rodriguez, Hamas is, Rodriguez isn't isn't too positive. Um, but other than the 3-0 win over a Poland side that seemed, it was like a poor man's journey, really, <laughs> the way that they performed in this tournament, um, they haven't really impressed the Colombians. But what I would say is that I listened to a lot of English podcasts and they were saying how and obviously the big talking point is, you know, you're on the easier side of the draw, but I think the fact that the fact the way that the the media work seems to work in England is that there will now be a lot a lot more pressure on England to win this round of sixteen tie, wouldn't you agree?
0: Oh, I definitely agree. I think I think it's he's set himself up to fail Southgate House. I think he's the way he's managed the media's been quite impressive to now. I think he's the the way he's set up Set us up to play has been good. But I, I quite like the way he's playing, but I just think it's a it, it's been a mistake because by going for this approach and getting second place, whether that was by design or not, you know we can only speculate. It does look like it was the case. If he's done that because he wants to be in that half of the draw, he now has to go and win this round sixteen game. I I can't see any other option. If we go and lose, he's he's gonna be he's gonna be completely pillared by the press. So he's set himself up for a must win game and. and if we'd have gone and won today, and you know, if we'd have gone out to Japan, yes, it would have been, it would have been disappointing. I don't think we would have done, but you know, at least he's gone about it the right way. I think I think he's maybe been a bit too clever, and you know, it might work out if it works out, and we and we get into the quarterfinal against against Sweden or Switzerland. Then then great. I think we've got a great chance of going into the semi-finals, and when you're there, who knows? But I, just, I, I completely agree. I think he's set himself up for a lot of pressure. It's going to be ramping up day on day, and we're going to be the last team to play. Uh, in this, the last round of sixteen games to be played, just going to keep building, and it's, it's, yeah, it's, and, and in the past we've seen England with pressure; they don't do well with it, and, and I wouldn't be surprised to see another Iceland performance, but, but we'll see. It's all up to Southgate. To see if he can manage the yep. media, if he can manage the players, if he can. You know, manage the game. It's, it's all on him now, and, and and is he good enough to do that? I, there's been positive signs, but I think today was a a big black mark against him. Being just you know your get together, you're obviously you know Wales, you're the same same place really, the UK. <laughs> you, you know the British press as well as I do. What what are your thoughts on the way England went about it and how they've set themselves up for for the knockout stages?
2: Should just clarify that uh, we, when it all comes to football, Wales is a strictly independent country. Uh, no matter what. Uh, what the uh, the government uh, wants to think, flying the uh, English flag above the Welsh office in London,
0: which uh, wasn't has... the didn't the, the Millennium Stadium do a nice England tweet today? Did I say
2: how how not to do uh, social media? Basically, what some, somebody uh, at the uh, Millennium Stadium press office uh, obviously confused their personal and um, their work <laughs> Twitter accounts and tweeted out some weird England link, uh, and then tried to make up a lie then to cover up about it, and it's, oh, it's just a PR disaster for the national stadium. Uh, anyway, I, I, I'm, I'm uh, intrigued to see how England... Um, I, I First of all, I, I think it, it, England have run a massive risk by um, uh, coming up against Colombia. I think um, Japan are probably the worst team in the, in the last 16. They, they haven't impressed me at all. In this tournament. But but Colombia, they do look like there's something about them. I think a lot of things have gone against them in this World Cup. Um, obviously, they were playing with 10 men in the first game against Japan and were still very unlucky to lose. I thought they actually played very well with 10 men. Um, the second game, they were very impressive. Today, it was quite hard work. The, the injury to Hammers really, really hampered their efforts against um, Senegal. I, I think it could. Like like you, I, I think uh, whether or not Hammers is um, is fit or not is going to have a big um, a big say on the match. I think Colombia will be difficult to break down, um, but without Hammers, I, I, uh, it's difficult to see how much creativity they've got in that side. They're very reliant on Quadrado then quite um, after that. Um, but but then again, I, I you know I. England's first team have not been tested so far. They've they've won two games against very poor opposition uh, in Tunisia and Panama. And, of course, tonight was England's reserves against Belgium's reserves. It didn't really tell us much at all about either side's chances uh, in the rest of the tournament. So England are still a bit of an unknown quantity. Um, they've looked very good going forward and from set pieces. At the back, I still look at that defence and think that looks very, very fragile. I think Maguire is probably defensively the, well the strongest player they've got. The rest of that defence looks susceptible to, and, and looks quite quite vulnerable. I mean, I'm not convinced by Kyle Walker uh, as uh, playing as a back in, in a back three. John Stones always has a mistake in him, uh, despite being a very good footballer. If they want to bring in Cahill and Phil Jones, I don't think either of those are particularly great. Um, I think defensively, as the competition goes on. Uh, England are going to really be tested, and it may there may be some games where, um, quite weirdly for an England team, it, it will just be uh, a matter of can we score more goals than 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 the other team can? I, you know that they, they may concede two, but if Harry Kane can get three, then then they'll find a way through. I think England are going to be quite entertaining in the rest of this tournament in one way or another. Um, and yes they're probably on the right side of the draw on the whole even though i don't think there's as much difference in it as, as some people say but i don't think Colombia is going to be an easy game for them and i would expect switzerland to beat sweden and that that too would be a quite a, a tricky quarter final because switzerland have been pretty difficult to play against in this uh, in the in this tournament and they they are difficult to beat uh, and also have that extra added uh, attacking quality so I I don't think I I if I was an England fan I would be quite nervous about losing that Belgium game today. I I think they would have been better off going for uh, the other side of the draw and having a, a much easier game against Japan in the next round.
0: No, I I definitely agree with that I said before the game we should we we should be trying to top the group. I still think it now. Um, I I thought when the team came out uh, when the teams came out I thought Belgium would probably do a better job at. at, at being worse and going through in that second place but you know if there's anything you can do well it's losing a game nobody can nobody can lose a game out lose a game better than england and we did that today so it's gonna be interesting and i mean we've rested a lot of our players i don't think today was a great indicator but i agree that we haven't been tested yet even in our warm-up games we had nigeria and costa rica it's not you know that they're, they're not the most testing games and in all of them we we we've looked susceptible at the back. I think especially when we, we're we trying to pass it out at the back, which I think I'm all in favour of, you know, it's a process that we're, we're trying to build long-term that we may go far in this tournament, but if we don't, we need to look at it as, as a building block. We can't expect to just, just to rip everything up and go again. I think, I think I like what Southgate's doing, but the fact we're passing out at the back at the moment, we, we've we lost it a lot. I think we, we've given the ball away a lot. And against, you know, a team like Colombia, they've got a lot of pace, Quadrado, you know, um, and they've got a, a striker in Falcao that it, it, if we do give the ball away cheaply, he can put the ball in the net. So it's it's a bit of a worry. Um, and, and I agree. I think I think there's going to be goals in England games. I don't think we're going to be keeping many clean sheets. Uh, we've not kept one yet. So it's probably going to be a trend that continues. So it's gonna, it's gonna be interesting. I think if we get past Colombia, if Hammers is, it's a lot depends on Hammers. I think even if he does play, we should be, you know, there's a lot of pressure on us to win it. But if he's out or if he's not 100%, and we win that game, I'd be confident of getting further. But you know, it's he's taking a huge risk, and and if we do go out against Colombia, he's gonna get he's gonna get a, an awful time in the press. So it's, it's it's interesting. But you know, we're in the tournament still. We got further than we did at the last World Cup. So positives to take as an England fan even after today but um, I don't think we've got enough time for player watch today so I'll just skip on to to the match previews and and we're not going to do individual team previews today we're going to do we're just going to look at the round of 16 as a whole now that that's been decided Um, just run you through the fixtures quickly we've got uh, to kick us off we we spoke about Portugal and Uruguay earlier um, the game before that is France-Argentina which looks like a big one uh, we've got Spain versus Russia, Croatia versus Denmark, Brazil versus Mexico Belgium versus Japan, Sweden, Switzerland and Colombia and England which we've touched on so, so outside the two games we've touched on already guys is there any games that are sort of jumping out as a big one obviously that France-Argentina one does seem like you know the, the glamour tie to me. How do you see that one going? Do you think Argentina, they've got this far, but this is probably where they fall? I
1: think that the France-Argentina game is really interesting because France, even though they top their group, haven't been playing at their full potential. And obviously Argentina haven't, haven't either. People keep keep going on about how they are disjointed side and whatnot, but they, regardless of any of that, they're still a collection of sublime individual players. Admittedly, a, a bit weaker at the back, a, quite a lot weaker, but they're, they're still really good at talent here. And I think that France will need to step up their game in order to beat Argentina, because I think Argentina, in a bigger match against a bigger opponent, will also step up, because that's what their big players tend to do. So that's that match between two giants that have underperformed, I whoever goes through will be a team that steps up. And considering they face the winner of Portugal and Uruguay in the quarterfinals, I think that they'll their their sort of awakening will put them in good stead for that match. And outside of that one, I'm pretty interested for the Spain and Russia game because Russia look, they I touched on it earlier, but they were sort of found out against Uruguay. However, they did rotate a couple of their players. Golovin didn't start, which I was quite impressed with him in the opening couple of matches. So he'll probably come in back into the side. Spain are definitely the favourites, but I'm very interested to see what Russia are able to offer in that match.
0: Yeah, get to you is there any of these games jumping out? And again, the France Argentina game—that's probably the big one. How would you see that one going?
2: Uh, I, I, it could go either way, it really. Could. I, I, I'm with um, Dylan. I, I, haven't been impressed by France, and they were my stupid tip before the um, tournament started to win the 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 entire tournament. Um, I think they've been deeply unimpressive. Really, haven't looked like they've gelled. Um, And and I don't think they've been that much better than Argentina. They've just been a little bit stronger at the back than Argentina have been. Um, And, you know, if Argentina can just find that little something in them, we've seen before where these kind of teams have scraped through the group stage, but then once they're in the knockout stage, they have this kind of siege mentality and and just find this unity that wasn't there before and, and, and grind out results um, I would not be the least bit surprised if Messi inspires Argentina to victory against France. Even though, I mean, France with all their quality, I think they've got the best squad in the in, in the um, in, in the competition. I, I, they should beat Argentina all day long. But I really haven't been impressed by France at all. Um, the, in terms of the other games, I think the one that stands out is Brazil against Mexico. I think that could be brilliantly entertaining. Mexico have been fantastic to watch in this tournament. Um, so so, uh, attack minded. Their counter attacking play is fantastic, um, but they coming up against Brazil, who maybe haven't hit the expectations um, set before the tournament. Um, maybe flattered to deceive a little bit at times. Um, it'll it'll be interesting to see them come up against the team of Mexico, who are just going to take the game to them and um, try and catch them out at the back. Um, I, I I mean, you wouldn't bet against Mexico pulling off a surprise in that one, too. It, it really isn't impossible, even though they um, they had that shock defeat to, to Sweden the other day. Um, I mean, again, you'd expect Brazil to go through, but that that is going to be a fascinating clash.
0: Yeah, I, I agree on that one. That's one that's caught my eye. I think Mexico have got a great chance. Brazil have looked a little bit... Dodgy at the back. Serbia had a lot of chances yesterday, especially when it was one nil and they didn't take them. So it'll be interesting uh, to see if Mexico can do any better. They've got better players uh, than Serbia, I think, and they've you know they've they've looked better. That def- it would be interesting to see what that defeat does to them, though, because it was it was quite a quite a disappointing one against Sweden. But you know that they're in the round of sixteen as they normally are at World Cups. I think all of the ties are quite interesting. I think only. Sp- for me, I think Belgium and Spain are the only two that look like they're definitely going to go through. I think the other the other six games, either team could win. I think Croatia looked very good, but Denmark, you know, I wouldn't. I think it's going to be a good one. I think you know, can Christian Eriksen do something there? He's been excellent for the national team for for over a year now. Uh, Croatia definitely favourites, but I wouldn't surprise you if Denmark got through there. Then the Sweden Switzerland game. I know, ghetto, you were quite high on Switzerland earlier, but Sweden will have a lot of momentum now after that. That, that win over Mexico, uh, I think they did well enough against Germany. They showed they could you know, defend. I think their tactics at the end were perhaps questionable, but they've got a huge momentum after that win. So it'd be interesting to see how they go. And obviously the Columbia-England game, we've spoken about that, that could go either way depending on hammers. But with that, we are we are now out of time. I just want to thank both Ghetto and Dylan for joining us today. If you guys want to, to plug your Twitters and anything else, please do so now.
1: Thanks for having me on. My name's Dylan Ivella. You can find my sort of Rantings about the World Cup on Twitter at Dylan Villa.
2: Yeah, thanks for having me on. Um, yeah. You can um, find me on Twitter at Get Mclewillen, uh, and also you can uh, if you want to hear how Swansea are preparing for um, life in the Championship, you can uh, follow the Jackass podcast after the Jackass.
0: Yeah, you get my Twitter at Jack with two ends. I've been your host today. Uh, you can follow the show at EPL Round t- uh, Table on Twitter. And we'll be back after the round of 16 games on Wednesday, so keep an eye out for that. And just thanks for joining us.